You're listening to the Between You and Me podcast, brought to you by JesusWire.com with your host, Jessica Morris. Hi friends, welcome to a new episode of Between You and Me. I am your host, Jessica Morris, and we have a brilliant episode for you today. As a journalist, I'm geeking out a little bit because we're actually speaking to someone who's been a real mentor to me over the years. His name is John DiBiase, and he is the founder of Jesus Freak Hideout. Now, Jesus Freak Hideout is one of the biggest Christian music websites on the internet, and it's one of the original ones. So way back when the internet was just starting and people were toing and froing about whether or not it was actually a legitimate way of sharing music. Yes, it happened. In 95, John started this blog called Jesus Freak Hideout because he was like a 16-year-old kid. And he was like, yeah, it sounds cool. I can talk about music with other people who share the same passion as me. He tells us a story today of how Jesus Freak Hideout somewhat snowballed into this independent website that functions as one of the leading reviewers and cultivators of Christian music today. Over the years, they have been instrumental in teaching me more about reviews. And you'll actually hear the story about when I first reached out to John as a journalist just out of uni and what I learned through him. Now, John touches on some really cool and interesting topics. He tells me about his own relationship with the Christian music industry. Sort of went from a really green, naive teenager to sort of learning that not everyone is your friend in the Christian music industry. Learning how to balance cynicism and trust. And I loved it because I feel like so many of us are in a place now where we're wrestling with cynicism. I love the idea that John touches on every day he's wrestling with cynicism, wrestling with what it means to actually love people and to love God and to serve God. And we sort of talk about the fact that By doing that and by being authentic in what we do every day somewhat breaks the cycle and the cog of what is inauthentic in the industry. I have no doubt that you will love today's episode. You will learn a lot. We have lots of throwbacks to early Christian music from the 90s. It's a lot of fun. So I won't hold back any longer, guys. Please enjoy this episode with the wonderful John DiBiase. Take yourself back to the 90s, when DC Talk had just made the term Jesus Freak cool, dial-up internet was snailing to popularity, and bands like Audio Adrenaline and Plank Eye were at their peak. In 1996, there was nothing cooler than to be a Jesus Freak, and 16-year-old John DiBiase knew it. Today, John is known as one of the forerunners of Christian music journalists on the internet. When he created Jesus Freak Hideout as an online group to talk with like-minded fans about his passion for Switchfoot, he never imagined it would become a pioneer website in Christian music reviews, eventually establishing itself as one of the world's largest Christian music online resources. Establishing his own domain in 1998, the passion project of the Christian kid from Pennsylvania had caught the attention of major labels, and over the years, Jesus Freak Hideout became a full-blown entity. Now with a team of 24 people, the website boasts an extensive range of information for all your Christian nerdy music needs. Reviews going back to 97 and interviews with everyone from Stephen Curtis Chapman, 2000 Foot Crutch, Plum and the Backstreet Boys' Brian Literal. They also share a database of past and present Christian music artists that will make every recovering homeschooler leap for joy. Surviving the music industry crisis of the mid-noughties, Jesus Freak Hideout has developed into a safe haven for all things contemporary Christian and pop culture with a Christ-like perspective. 
Embracing independence while working with labels and artists to provide people with legal downloads of new music, it aims to retain its journalistic and spiritual integrity no matter what. Now, in Jesus Freak Hideout's historic 23rd year of publication, they've become more than a hideout for fans who resonated with the outspoken courage of Toby Mac and erred towards the Christian undertones of MXPX. Today, Jesus Freak Hideout is a premier music website where fans of Christian music can be informed and take pride in knowing what's hot and what's good in the genre. I spoke to the founder and editor of Jesus Freak Hideout, John DiBiazzi, from his home in Pennsylvania. We talked all things growing up in a Christian home, why we love Switchfoot so much, and how we deal with inauthenticity in the industry. Guys, John is the best. Enjoy. This is John DeBarzi. You've probably been asked this numerous times, but please forgive me. This is assuming that people listening to this episode of the podcast haven't heard your story. How did Jesus Freak Hideout start? Oh, man. Um... Well, back when this thing was created called the internet, <laughs> um, it, it almost goes back that far. I uh, see. I, I got saved um, probably around like 12, 13. Uh, I don't remember the exact time. And I got into Christian music soon after that. And that was um, like the early to mid 90s. At the time, I mean, my favorite, my favorite bands were like Audio Adrenaline and um, DC Talk and uh, Dakota Motor Company, PFR. Uh, Rebecca St. James from your homeland <laughs> and uh of course all, all the classics yeah and I loved uh DC Talks Jesus Freak when it came out so we're talking you know like 1995 and um towards the end of that year well I guess the, that album came out like November of 95 so around then and then like early 96 uh, I was using Christian chat rooms and I would use the the uh, screen name uh, Jesus freak. And then people would always ask if you're male or female. So then I would say, Mr. Jesus freak. And, um, <laughs> and I would still get that question too. They'd be like, male or female? I'm like, seriously? Um, so, so then, um, oh, there God. was, uh, I think, I think, uh, there's this, there's this, um, network called net central and they hosted, I think, forefront records website and, um, Christian chat rooms and stuff like that. So they actually had like uh, they were offering free private chat rooms and I never used one, but I, I signed up and created one called Jesus freak hideout because I was, you know, Jesus freak. And then I figured the, a private chat room would be called, you know, Jesus freaks hideout or whatever. And um, so then in August of that year, I created a website on angelfire.com, just like a free little page that, okay, that they that, had. That's phenomenal. And- I'm just imagining like a little like, <laughs> please keep going sorry it's okay. no, it's and so i i created this little website called jesus freak the jesus freak hideout on angelfire.com and then um and at the time like oh my gosh i'm trying to think so it was august 13th 1996 that same day i went to go see jars of clay in concert and i remember riding in the car with my parents and i said to my dad i just started a website today you know and i was ex- really excited but like i had no idea what i was doing <laughs> and uh you know it was just something fun and i was excited and i just had this deep passion for christian music and i wanted to share it with people so like at the time the site was kind of like a little bit there wasn't much to it but there was a little bit of everything so like when the yankees won the world series i put a thing like that and put a link to a video and i had veggie tales stuff on there and i put whatever naturally of course yeah and i put whatever <laughs> i was remotely interested in at the time um so and i was 16 years old too so i was still pretty young 
And then the following year, uh, like I just kept the, kept up with the site. I, I don't remember exactly how often I worked on it, probably almost every day, if not every day. Um, but uh, Forefront Records reached out to me and they offered to start sending some music for review, which was really cool. And then like, I think, uh, I think it was the same year, maybe later that year or early the following year, like publicists started reaching out to us and like, or I just, I'm so used to saying us, me, and offering to uh, send me new music and stuff like that. And, and that was cool. Cause I'm, you know, all of a sudden I was getting free music in the mail and instead of having to like beg my parents to buy me a CD or to save up money for something, I was actually, people were actually giving me music and I'm like, wow, this is cool. I like this, you know, and all I have to do is like write about it. And so, oh my goodness, my first review was probably in 1997 uh, probably before I was even 17 and it was so bad. And like all my early reviews are so bad. Every time I find one on, on the site, I'm like, okay, I need to rewrite this. And so I try to rewrite it as much <laughs> as possible. So it doesn't sound like a, a overly enthusiastic young teenager, but um, not that there's anything wrong with those. It's just that, you know, <laughs> I relate to that so well. <laughs> oh, man. So much. Yeah. So like, that's, that's, pretty much what happened um as far as it eventually getting to a dot com that's a little more dramatic story um in in the summer of 1998 i was uh, at creation east festival in pennsylvania and i was helping out forefront records at, on their street team i had uh, also like so I, I was doing um some jfh stuff with them but then they pretty much i joined their street team so i was helping out with like um getting free music through that and then you know, it was kind of like a, like a, um, like two, two birds with one stone. Like I was helping out with street team and also getting stuff to work for JFH. So it just kind of worked out that way. And, um, and someone from the label approached me and they were like, Hey, DC talk has a new album coming out in the fall. And, uh, we we're thinking about doing like a grassroots promotion with you guys. Um, we were thinking, you know, we'll, we'll quote unquote leak the music to you. And then you quote leak the music, like the, the clips on your site. And then when the album comes out, we're going to launch this new site called hereatfirst.com. And we're going to, um, we're going to, you're going to take down your clips and then we're going to stream the album or clips of it or whatever they were planning on doing. And yours will be like this grassroots promotion thing. And, you know, then it's going to be wider and, and bigger um, on, on this new website. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. And they're like, and for you to handle the traffic of people coming to your site, you know, we'll give you, server space at net central and we will buy you the the, the domain um jesusfreakhow.com so you can move it all over to an official spot and i'm like ooh, this sounds great you know i'm this broke broke 18 year old nice. talking to you know a couple uh christians at a, at a major label and they're offering to do all this stuff for me what could possibly go wrong this sounds great you know so, oh so the guy's know, like, right? yeah, so when it's all done, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll pay for everything. But, you know, as soon as the promotion's done, we'll turn all the rights over to you and, and it'll all be yours to do whatever you want with it. I'm like, okay, that sounds great. Awesome. So long story short, the album comes out in September or whatever it was. Um, we did this whole little thing. I got the dot com, blah, blah, blah. But they never turned the rights back over to me. The guy who helped. No. Yeah. The guy who helped set it up. Um, he got promoted and he, you know, left the project and then someone else was kind of put in charge of it. And so for the next two years, I was pretty much begging um, the the guy working at the the current like street team or whatever 
for the rights. And he kept telling me, oh, you know, um, it's safer for you to keep uh, to keep under our umbrella and for us to have the ownership of it. You know, you can use our album cover images and artist images without any problems. But, you know, we can't promise that if you, you know, moved out on your own, that you'd be allowed to use that stuff. And I'm thinking to myself, that doesn't make any sense. Like, I mean, the problem was the internet was still pretty young and new and like what you can and cannot do on the internet was still very up in the air. And so I think they, there was that leeway of like, they knew that they could kind of control you if they wanted to, but they probably also themselves weren't hundred percent sure what you're allowed to do. So as that's all being figured out, it just makes more sense for us to keep, you know, the ownership of your .com and the, the web space. So um, yeah, eventually like two years later, I'm like, like I would periodically ask usually over like AOL is a messenger or emails and be like, come on, you guys promise. I just want the rights, blah, blah, blah. And then finally the guy was like, you know what, to be honest with you, I don't even know how to, to, to transfer the rights over to you. And I'm like, Oh, that's, that's just great. <laughs> but eventually, you know, we had to like notarize the um, paperwork and stuff like that. But um, eventually by, I think I can't remember if it was like the year 2000 or 2001, I finally got the official rights to um, back for JesusFreeKyle.com. So, um, and ever since then, we've been totally, completely on our own. And, uh, you know, then yeah. over all this time, it's like I went from being a teenager to going to college, then, um, you know, being or dating seriously and then being engaged and getting married and then, you know, having another full-time job and then deciding to take that part-time to focus more on JFH and then quitting that job and taking JFH full-time. And then the music industry kind of crashed. And then I had a kid, you know, and it's like, and then trying to figure out the, the financial way of being able to even keep the site going. And um, in the past several years, it was, let's put it this way, that several years ago, um, it was to the point where I wasn't even sure if I should even keep it going because of the state of the music industry. Um, but thankfully, by the by the grace of God, we're still here. Um, at one point, I'm like, I just want to make it to 20 years, you know? And it just, it'd be really cool to do a two with our oval logo and it'd be 20, you know? So thankfully, you know, it's, this is our 23rd year and we're still here. So I'm, I'm definitely grateful for that. Dawn of creation This world has been crying out for hope For a hero to save us We long for the supernatural But there is only one God Who can save the day So clear the stage, prepare the way Cause heaven and earth are singing Glory, hallelujah, let the whole world see the greatness of our like initially when you started Jesus Freak Hideout it was like a passion project essentially that like a teenage boy started because yeah. he loved Christian music when did it sort of morph into the vision of wanting to share the latest 
great Christian music and review it and sort of become what it is today? Hmm. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, it was a very uh, gradual process. It, uh, at first it was like pretty much all by myself doing it. And, and then occasionally I think I would ask friends for help. Like, Hey, would you like to write a review? I'll get you free music. You know, I'll give you a CD or something, you know? And, and like, especially in college and then people were like, Oh yeah, that's cool. Yeah, sure. I'll, I'll, I'll do that. You know, they were just, ex- ex- just excited to hear new music and, uh, and do something like that. And then um, all of a sudden I was meeting more people online who were, who had a similar passion and um, wanted to, they volunteered to help, you know, and it was, it was just cool to have other passionate people who wanted to contribute to this, this thing, whatever it was, you know, whatever it was becoming. Um, and for the longest time, it was really just kind of like John's website. And then, you know, I had a couple people helping. Um, and then I would say in the past, you know, 10 years or so, it, it definitely has gone probably longer than that, but it's definitely grown way bigger than just like my website. You know, there's just so many more people helping and um, contributing that it's not just like, you know, what I think or what I like, you know, it's, I mean, that's definitely how it started out. But, um, you know, through the years, I, I had always wanted it to be something that covered as much Christian music as possible. But, you know, if you, especially years ago, if you paid attention to like, what we're covering the most, you would be able to tell what I liked the most, you know, like there'd be audio adrenaline stuff everywhere or, you know, supertone stuff everywhere, you know, and then it'd be like, oh yeah. And by the way, you know, so-and-so also has some new stuff coming out, you know? Um, and I think that there's a whole lot less of that now. Hopefully it's a little bit more um, level and even and stuff that we, you know, highlight what we like as a, as a team and as a site, but you know, it's less like a fan site of something and more of, you know, covering what's coming out and stuff, you know. I think when I was starting journalism, and I know we, we connected over email back then. Yeah. Um, and Jesus Freak Hideout was the first website that I went to for Christian Sweet. music. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, and it was, it was it was the only one that I knew about. And I was like, this is great. There's everything. And I was super nerdy. So I was like, you have the lyrics to everything and the entire discography. And I was like, this is brilliant. I would say in my perspective, Jesus Freak Hideout, became like one of the or if not the most preliminary source of Christian music news especially in the early days when the internet was just becoming a thing oh, yeah. and we were all communicating over AOL did you have a moment where you sort of realize it was bigger than you or did it just happen gradually I think it I think it happened gradually you know that's a, that's a good question I, I like even talking about it sitting here talk, thinking about it and talking about it I can't think of like a specific moment where it definitely grew past. I mean, I know like around 2005, I think is when I decided to really um, focus on it on a daily basis and really like try to update it as much as I could, as often as I could. Cause I, cause after I got married in 2003, I remember I kind of like, I would update the site a couple times a week and not necessarily as often um as I even used to, or, you know, do now, it was like, I slowed down on updating. I was focusing on another job and, and just getting used to married life and stuff. And, uh, and then it was just kind of like, you know what, I need to, I need to really water this plant. You know, it's something, if I want it to grow, it really have to put, you know, um, take care of the soil and, and really, you know, (laughs) 
feed into it or whatever. Probably around that time, around that era of like the early 2000s, we had like a really big message board for a while that got that did really well. But of course, anything that attracts lots of peace, lots of people attracts a lots of trouble. So we had a lot of problems with um, troublemakers on our on our forum. Um, and eventually, years later, had to like nearly shut it down. And then a couple, I think last year, I think, or the year before, we totally just got rid of it. But yeah, I guess it was, it, you know, it's been a, a slow process, a long, slow process. I'm really curious. I know you mentioned when you're telling yeah. me how Jesus Free Cutout started, you had sort of artists and stuff and labels reach out to you, which I was probably super, super cool when you were a kid. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It was so cool. Yeah. How did that process, like, was that organic in terms of all the major <laughs> labels starting to reach out to oh. you? Was it something that you had to start chasing yeah. after so they would oh, take you oh seriously? Gosh. How did that um, work? It, I would say Forefront was the first one that, that came to us. And I can't think of many other labels, maybe like small ones might've come to us, but like most of the other ones I had to chase after and not only chase after, but prove to them that the internet was a, a viable source of media. I remember a label, actually, I can't remember hundred percent which one it was. And um, I think it was Sparrow. I think it was someone at Sparrow might've, been goatee but i think it was sparrow someone at the label was like oh well, we're not sure if internet is uh, an acceptable form of media so oh we don't want to send you i know well they're like we don't want to send you you know the the i think it was switchfoot's um new way to be human album or something oh and that's a good one too i know i got it but i'm <laughs> i remember that like i had to nag people and and you know there were there were just some people i guess that just came from an old school mindset, which is funny to say, because now I feel like I have an old school mindset compared to today, <laughs> but like they must've just been so used to like radio and, and cassettes and like the old way of doing things to the point where there's this internet thing. And you know, there's no way that that makes sense for media. So there was, I mean, I felt like I was constantly uh, paying dues and like trying to convince people that what we do mattered and um and that it made sense to send us stuff you know it made sense for us to cover stuff and to write about it i mean i'll never forget going to concerts and just being like oh yeah i'm with jesus for kite out and then like um the whoever's working there was just like what you know who and then the first time i ever met someone that was like oh yeah okay yeah i've heard of them and i'm like really <laughs> yeah, i'm like totally shocked in fact in some ways i'm still kind of shocked when people are like oh yeah i know that site i'll be like oh cool no yes. way you know i'll never forget i was at another concert um i guess probably around like 2005 2006 and we met um, a member of a band and we're like oh yeah we're with uh jesus for guy the guy was pretty young and he was just like yeah, I heard that the guy who started it is here. And I'm like, yeah, that that's me. And he's like, no, no, the guy who like created it, I heard he's here. And I'm like, yeah, that's me. <laughs> like, I, that's I, I guess I was too young or whatever to for it to make sense, um, like the way I looked or something. But uh, it was terribly funny. As a journalist, I haven't done a startup like that, but I can appreciate how tough that was um, and slogging it out, especially in the early days. Oh, my goodness, yeah. So you've done amazing just to make 
Jesus Free Card at Sustainable. Oh, thank you. I'm continually amazed at how you do that with and with great contributors who like are always on board and passionate. Oh yeah, that's not an easy job. Oh so, no, um, no, it's you not. guys do great work. Well, thank you so much. It definitely is. Yeah, you know, was a challenge and and still sometimes is a challenge. I mean, um, what was cool back then too is like. I mean, remember CDs, like people would actually send out CDs and that was so cool. <laughs> and then they would actually send out press kits and then like promo items and like swag and like cool stuff. And nowadays you're lucky to get a download. You know, I'll, I'll, I know. <laughs> yes. I'll get like an email for someone like, here's the new album, check it out. And it's a stream. And I feel like saying, seriously, I mean, like way back when we used to get a copy we could keep. And now you're asking for media coverage and we don't even get a copy to keep. Like that just seems really strange. I mean, I get that there's that to call it, the, the risk of it, the music getting leaked and, you know, all the horrible stuff that comes with that. But I mean, for Pete's sake, we don't even get CDs anymore, you know? So it's, I know. yeah, I, I definitely yeah. miss those days. I mean, I, I'll never forget the first time I got like, a big envelope with just a pile of pre-release CDs in it. And it was just like Christmas, you know, you're like, Ooh, you know, I can't, <laughs> I can't believe this. I can't wait to like start digging into this. You know, even if you didn't really like much of the music, it was just still exciting to be like, there's, there's that much new music out there, you know? And, you know, nowadays you, you, you hear about a new album and you're like, I can probably guess and tell you how it's going to sound before I listen to it. But, uh, you know, <laughs> it is what it is. Again. Surrounded by your glory question so please interpret it however you like it how has the christian music industry changed since you started jesus free card out oh my goodness so much um well it's funny because like you said like when i got in the internet was pretty young and now the internet is like the main source of media which is kind of crazy to think about in in that in that respect um so like when i started we're trying to prove ourselves as a as a you know, or I should say, I'm trying to prove myself that this website is worth, you know, taking time and investing, giving us music to review. Um, and then it, it it got to a point where like, you know, now these labels and their marketing departments are figuring out what to do with internet. And then all of a sudden, like, there just seemed to be this tremendous crash. And I don't, I don't know if it was because of like I think Napster and LimeWire and all those like MP3 sharing sites were like the beginning of the end for the music industry. But like once piracy really started hitting the music industry hard, um, it was like entire marketing departments would get laid off and like people I'd work with on a daily basis, I you know, they'd, they'd lose their jobs, like people who are really good at their work. And then you see these labels that end up, um, replacing these teams with like one person like one person fresh out of college or something you know one person that doesn't really know what they're doing and they're trying to figure out like how how to manage things and keep costs down all while trying to keep their job you know and so 
it, it was almost like starting over all over again. And in some ways it still kind of feels like that. Cause you know, I mean, we had GMA week, you know, the gospel music association week where, um, and I only went for a couple of years, but like, cause it was in Nashville in Northern Pennsylvania and it's expensive to travel, but Nashville would have these big weeks of, you know, the promoting to radio new artists and then, and to um, booking agents, new tours, and then to media, you know, new music. And, and they had showcases of like all these concerts of new artists playing and luncheons and all this kind of stuff. And there were vendors there. And now that's gone. And it's a lot because like, there's just not much money in the music industry, you know? And so someone like, like uh, an entity like ours, you know, if you want to continue with any kind of integrity and not like sell out of or whatever and compromise what you're trying to do, you know, there's just not much money out there, you know? So it's like all of us have to get other jobs again and, and try to figure things out. And that's just the way the music industry is run. And now it just seems like these labels and, and companies are doing, or just signing artists that are almost guaranteed to sell to, I guess, churches and the church groups. So like when I was a kid, you know, and you're in high school and people are like, what do you listen to? And you're like, Oh, Christian rock music. And they're like, well, that sounds really lame. And you're like, no, check this out. We have, you know, skillet and we have bleach and we have audio adrenaline newsboys and, um, uh, plank eye. And, um, you know, gosh, you can just rattle off any rock group at the time. And it didn't sound like church music, but we've actually gotten to a point where it really is almost all exclusively church music. And uh, some of it's good, but it just seems like it's it's a lot harder to find um, something really cool and also spiritually edifying at the same time. So I, I feel like music has changed dramatically to the point where it's unrecognizable compared to what it used to be. Can you tell me what selling out in the Christian music industry looks like? Is that I don't know. a bad question to ask? Um, <laughs> I know what it looks like in my mind, but I don't I don't have a a good answer. I mean, I think like several years ago, um okay, even even longer ago, I remember when labels would be like, All right, we want to buy an ad and we wanna skin your website in just like ads for for an album. And I won't mention any names, whether labels or artists, but I will say that that the the color scheme for these ads at the time were pink, and so they they basically wanted to reskin our entire site in pink. And I think they offered a decent amount of money at the time too. And I was just like, no, I'm sorry, I can't do that. <laughs> I'm like, I don't care how much, but I'm like, I just can't do that. I don't feel comfortable doing that. And I never felt comfortable like coding the site in ads. And I think we probably have more now than um, we used to. But at the same time, it's kind of like, all right, if we can keep it at least relevant to the audience. So it's like, I think it's like probably 90, 95 to 100% all music related ads anyway, and from artists. Um, and it helps us stay online. Uh, as long as it's relevant to the audience, then it's not as bad. And they're not pop-ups and they're not like... Um, Things that if you go to the site, you're going to worry about getting a virus on your computer, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, to me, that was selling out back then. And and um, uh, I don't know, like, I guess probably getting, um, it is a loaded question, probably getting like a, 
a, a sponsor or a partnership that would compromise the integrity of your content, I would probably consider that um, selling out. But uh, thankfully, we, yeah, thankfully we've always been independent, um, except for our dot com being owned by Forefront. We've never been, you know, controlled by anybody. It's I've always been the 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 geek at the top, <laughs> so to speak. <laughs> screwed up made mistakes got dirty from the messes you've made but i whisper that's okay i love you despite what you say take another chance take another chance on my love no matter what you've done right no matter what you've done wrong this um but in our first few emails when I started reviewing for you I remember being so green and you going through my reviews nearly paragraph by paragraph and helping me to dissect them and I was this random kid on the other side of the world and one of the one of the most significant things that I remember we talked about was the fact that mm. Um, <laughs> artists would be reading the reviews that we'd written yeah. and that it would affect them so it was really important to be truthful but to be fair that sounds to me now, I'm saying that it sounds like the most obvious thing in the world. But back then, it was just like, a, let's write whatever I want and be really happy about Jesus. Oh, I did that too, though, when I started out. I definitely did. It wasn't until I would get an email from like an artist or a producer that was upset about something I wrote that I was like, oh my gosh, people actually read these things. So knowing that like you've developed in some capacity a really good relationship or a respective relationship between so many artists and labels now, and you're sort of, you're known. How have you managed to balance the fact that you're a professional and that you have to give unbiased reviews and things like that with the fact that you also, mm. I suppose, know these people in some capacity? And especially in Christian music, I mean, artists will last for decades if they're good. So there's no escaping it. Um, how do you how do you maintain that integrity while still, I suppose, honouring the artist and the relationship you have? Oh, that's a great question. Um, and thank you for the kind words, by the way. Whenever I have conducted an interview, I've made sure it was always an artist that I liked or at least respected the music of. I never wanted to sit in front of someone and pretend to like their music. And I still won't do that. If anything, I'll just not say anything. And, and you know, um, I, I, I also would witness really awkward um, interactions at concerts or, or GMA or whatever where you could tell someone wasn't, or at least you wondered if they were being honest. And so, you know, the longer I was in the music industry, the more I interacted even with people at labels and stuff, where I was constantly questioning how genuine someone was being. And it made me want to be more genuine and more honest with everything I did, because I hated how it felt when someone was clearly not being genuine. So as I've gotten older, I've actually gotten less confident in my review writing, my music review writing, and I've taken a huge step back from reviewing music. And I think part of it was um, because I would, at, at GMA week, I found myself literally like thrown into a situation where I would meet someone who I had written a bad review for. 
and I would have to introduce myself. And then there was that awkwardness of like, they realized who I was. They had read the review and, and I'm an introvert and I, you know, I mean, what, what extrovert starts a website at 16, but like, I'm an, I'm an introvert and, um, an INFJ personality. And for me, (laughs) and for me to be put in different situations, to be sat down with someone face to face who you've said less than glowing things about what they do. Um, you know, in honest, in all honesty, you know, it was so, so awkward and just, just like night living nightmares, you know? And so I felt like, okay, well, if I'm going to be the face of this thing in some respects, like if I'm going to represent, um, Jesus freak hideout, it would be horrible to constantly be in these situations where, um, I'm meeting people who basically realize I didn't like their music, you know, I wouldn't lie if they asked, I might just say, well, it's not really my thing or, or whatever, but which would be true. It would just not be as, um, rough of a face-to-face review i guess or feedback um as as saying how i really felt or something like that you know um so i mean and over time too uh, just from getting people's feedback and seeing um how people react to things and then also getting my own um dose of of bad feedback about things that i've done you know you realize okay well we have to be a little more careful you could say that more tactful than that you know um i've gotten vile emails from people saying how awful they thought JFH was or how cheesy they thought it was or whatever. And, you know, I've gotten people, you know, who give critical feedback about art I make or whatever. And, and that's fair, but you know, I have to then also be like, okay, I, now I know how that feels and we have to be careful how we convey our opinions about something. Um, because it's, and, and especially in a time where anytime you go online and read comments for something, clearly there's, tons of people who could care less about what other people's feelings are you know they're just like you know spinning venomous feedback about anything and there's just lots of you know uh, bad vibes going around it seems so you know i mean who like i fought even putting any comment fields on our reviews for years because i'm like i don't want those comments on our site because you can hide behind anonymity and just say whatever you want to you know and technically, that's what we would be doing if we were just putting our reviews in check, you know. So I've gotten reviews back from writers that were like really rough, and I'll be like, you know, you probably shouldn't say this, you know, or and you, you save know, their you... careers by doing so. so <laughs> <laughs> you probably want to calm, you know, calm this down a little bit. But I've also the other way around too. I've also had to, um, you know, pull some writers back who would be like who would make statements like, Oh, this is the best thing of the year. Or this is the best thing I've ever heard. Or, you know, like really over the top comments that I think then all of a sudden destroy the validity of what you're trying to review because you're obviously in, in a little bit of like a la la land, you know, but I mean, Mm -hmm. we're, I think, I think a lot of us as reviewers just start out that way. Anyway, it's a, it's a learning process. I mean, again, when I go back and read my old reviews, they're, they're so green, you know, they're so just like, this is, uh, this is a really good rock album. I like the beat. This is happy. It sings about Jesus. <laughs> yeah. It's so good. You know, check this out <laughs> when it comes out, you know, clearly this is written Every by a kid. Yeah. It's clearly this is written by a kid who just was excited to have the music early, 
you know? <laughs> yeah, I totally get that. You mentioned the word genuine in there about when you have sort of observed artists and stuff, and I'm mm. not trying to make this an awkward question. How do you assess what Christian music and what interviews you have are genuine and what aren't? For me, that was like one of the hinging points of nearly why I started this podcast was mm. because there was nearly a cynicism because not everything is genuine in this industry mm. um, mm-hmm. and yeah. it hurts a lot of people because of that. So how, what's your filter? How do you assess in your own way what's what's genuine and what isn't? That's a, <laughs> I have no idea. No. <laughs> um, to be honest, like, like obviously when I started out, I was super trusting um, and I've always been a heart on my sleeve kind of person, which is really not good in a, in an artistic world, I guess. But I, I mean, a lot of artists are that are like that. Um, but like, I, I went into Christian music expecting everybody to be like-minded and to have the same goals and the same intentions in the same you know i kind of looked at like okay you're a christian we're family you know what i mean that's that was my mindset so it just seemed like okay if i am uh dedicating myself to um furthering the kingdom hopefully in encouraging uh, spreading the the word about christian music which spreads the word about jesus then you know then i'm on your team and shouldn't we be friends? You know, like that was my, that was my natural, like I didn't think about it, but that was really what I, what I was expecting. I think. Um, That's logical. Right. Exactly. That's logical. Obviously. Right. We should be, why are we not hanging out, you know, uh, getting sodas and, and, and uh, hamburgers together all the time or something, you know? Um, But I, I think it was, I don't know. It's weird. Like, the more I spent with people or the more I interacted with people, the more I realized that um, most of the time my, my feelings were not reciprocated or I, I was, <laughs> I was misreading its business as its friendship. So uh, how do you yeah. gauge what's genuine and what's not? It's, it's honestly really tough to tell. And, I'm, and I don't think there's an easy answer for that either. I, you have to then ride the line of, cynical and guarded and like just trying to be smart about things so like not just assuming someone's going to stab me in the back but maybe not just assuming they're your best buddy either you know that kind of thing yeah like it's easy to get a little bit cynical when you the more that you find out um the behind the scenes about certain things about whether you know um the true story about an artist or about someone being leaving a band or uh, someone leaving a label or something that happened on a tour. And of course, you know, a lot of it might be hearsay, but like you, you realize that things aren't as rosy as, you know, it's it, when you hear all that, you start to, you know, it's, it's hard not to then like look at someone on stage and, and doing worship music every night or something like that. And wondering like, are they, are they for real? Are, do they mean what they're singing? You know? And that's not, Oh my yeah. Gosh, and yes. that's not, a, I, I don't like having that, that, even having that thought in my head, you know, but I do wonder that sometimes, especially when like, like I might be spending time with someone in another band backstage, which by the way, does not happen that often. So don't think I'm constantly hobnobbing, but like, um, you know, whether I'm talking to someone who 
usually honestly usually i'll be talking to someone who i know who is like working backstage at a show at a local show and then there'll be like another artist around sometimes you'll just see like the way person that the artist interacts with other people just seems like it doesn't fit with their onstage message or persona nothing really 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 bad but it's just enough there to make you wonder like do they really believe what they're you know what they're singing about and then you hear other stories like oh yeah there's a lot of you know there's so many rock bands in Christian music that aren't even Christian people. Like they're, ju- they just got into Christian rock because apparently that was the easiest way to get into rock music and to get signed. And I'm like, seriously, like I've heard that multiple times, but I don't know examples of bands. Yeah. Like I haven't necessarily heard the names. People will just be like, Oh yeah, that's true. Well, who, well, uh, you know, I can't tell you that or something like that, you know? And it's just like, Oh, well it, that's just, that just is enough to make you a little worried and, and a little more cynical about that kind of thing. So um, circling back to then how do you, you know, find if someone's genuine? I don't know. I mean, um, I guess it's through interaction and it's through um, just being uh, cautious yourself and, um, you know, just trying to be honest yourself and, and worrying about how you conduct business or how you conduct um a ministry and how you are representing the gospel um i've met even not in christian music i've met plenty of believers that you know um they'll say one thing but then like as soon as you remove them from bible study setting they're they're completely different person and you're like whoa you know how can you do that and then that makes me self-conscious like okay i don't ever want to preach something and then not practice it you know i might that just might make me more quiet to be like i have to really be careful about what i say and do because i'm constantly beating myself up about not being able to measure up to what i think you know we're supposed to look like as christians or something you know i can hear them saying remember the way you led you up to the top of the highest mountain been your favorite interview of all time the artist that you've interviewed that you love that you always go back to now do you mean like favorite artist that you've interviewed or favorite interview that you've done or uh favorite interview that you've done um i've had a couple of really cool ones i think one of my favorite interviews was when it was just me and Stephen Curtis chapman sitting in a room and and we did an interview together and that was really cool that felt just more like a chat um mm-hmm. i think my first interview with family force five was pretty awesome it was just my wife and i at gma week they were really new and we were just sitting around in a hotel room and just being silly and and laughing and talking and stuff that was pretty great um so those would probably be two of my favorites there was also that one time that i interviewed larry the cucumber that was pretty fun <laughs> when you look at upcoming christian musicians today or sorry, musicians who are in the Christian industry or even outside of it who have a Christian faith and have talked about it openly, who are your favourites or who do you expect the most from? You said new artists? Yeah, new artists. So we're talking last couple of years. Yeah, this is going to be really depressing, but I I haven't found many new artists I actually like. Really? Yeah, I would say the newest artist that I really like and I was surprised to like 
is Peabod, who is a like a hip hop artist on happy hip hop artist on um, centricity music. Yeah, he seems like a really cool kid. And um, and his music just kind of reminds me of like John Rubin and uh, that like fun, happy, encouraging kind of uh, music that they just don't make much of anymore. And I'm not usually into hip hop. That's the other thing. Like I remember like I got into John Rubin when he opened for Audio Adrenaline. Um, yeah, like I think 2001 or something like that. And I think even Ruben said from the stage, like you will like hip hop by the end of the show. And while I'm not like a big hip hop fan, I was a John Rubin fan by the end of his set. So, um, other new, new talent, <laughs> David Leonard of, of, uh, Jackson waters and all sons and daughters. He has a new album coming out, a solo album, which is good. Um, let's see. That's the thing. Like, usually artists who were in other bands or something end up having the new music that I kind of like. Um, I don't normally like country music, but Mac Powell's solo stuff is pretty good. Um, yeah. Dawn Michelle from uh, Fireflight. She has some solo music coming out. That's, that's good. If you could go back in time um, and <laughs> speak to yourself the day before you started Jesus Freak oh Hideout, my goodness, that's what would you say to John? What would I say to him? I guess I would say, um, I guess I would tell him that you're really excited now. (laughs) Um, and what you're about to do is, is bigger than you. It's not about you. And that, um, it's going to be the hardest thing that you'll ever do, but don't give up and um try not to get discouraged because you will pretty much be discouraged like every day (laughs) um and don't trust people and 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 yeah especially yeah don't don't um if a record label comes to you and offers (laughs) don't do it yeah it'd be like um it'd be like back to the future that that's actually the first time that I've spoken to John before we have only emailed or communicated over messenger or stuff like that so I love meeting him somewhat for the first time it was really cool thank you for taking the time to listen to John's story guys some of you will know it before as diehard Jesus Freak Hideout fans and others of you will be like oh so that's the dude who started it I'm so grateful for the community of Christian music journalists around the world. I have learned an awful lot from them. I've gotten my start from them. And John is really, I would say, one of the founding people, especially in modern Christian music, in really setting that tone and what it actually means to review and interview artists really well. Now, you can follow John on social media. Not only is he an excellent music journalist, but he is also a really, really cool freehand drawer. And he has pictures and portraits of all sorts of pop culture figures, contemporary figures, things like that. I have a picture of Captain America in my office that I bought from him quite a few years ago. He's brilliant, so make sure you check him out. He is at John DiBiase. That is J-O-H-N-D-I-B-I-A-S-E. 
you can also find a link to Jesus Freak Hideout in our show notes below. So make sure you go and tell John how much you enjoyed hearing his story and check out what he does. It's very, very cool. That being said, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Between You and Me. It really does mean the world and I love that we are cultivating a community of musicians and producers and people who have been in the industry as well as fans of people who tell honest stories and authentic stories and who are willing to wrestle with the really tough stuff because we really want to know what authenticity is and know where we stand in that. Now, if you want to connect with Between You and Me, please do. We absolutely love to chat with you. You can find us online at Between You Me Pod. That is on Instagram, Twitter, and on Facebook. You can find us on the web as well at betweenyouandmepod.com. We have all our past episodes there, as well as some more details about what we do and who we are. So we would love you to check it out. Now, if you have a friend who you think would really benefit from today's show, or if you think they'd find it super interesting, like if they've been a fan and found out that the artist maybe isn't quite what they seem, or they've heard stories on the road, send them a copy of this episode. I'd love to know their thoughts and I really hope that it's healing for them like it's been healing for me, just because it's really cool when these things come to light. You can subscribe to Between You and Me now. And if you enjoyed today's show, give us a star rating. It really helps people to find us and find our interviews and we really appreciate it. So that's another episode of season two and wow, aren't we off to a great start. Guys, you're going to want to hang in there for the rest of the season because this is just the start of the meaty topics and the tough things and the really funny stories about what happens behind the scenes in the industry that we don't always hear about unless you have some friends who worked in it and they're like, yep, that's definitely a thing. I can't wait to go there with you. So I will see you next week, guys. My name is Jess Morris. This is Between You and Me, and I'll see you soon. www.betweenyouandmepod.com And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher. For more Christian news, reviews, and interviews, get plugged in to JesusWire.com.